Well, good morning, Life Church. It's great to see every one of you here this morning. Uh, I can't wait to meet all of you. Um, you've probably heard, you know, through the grapevine, that God is doing some amazing things. And part of that is that God has called our family to come and join with you guys in building the kingdom. And we are so excited. I can't wait to tell you the story because it's an amazing God story and it includes you. Um, but this morning is not about telling that story because I have an assignment this morning. So we're going to jump right into it without any further ado into the book of Habakkuk or Habakkuk. Who says Habakkuk? Who, who, who says that here? Anybody say that? Who says Habakkuk? Anybody? Yeah, that's what I was raised with was Habakkuk. I don't know. I, maybe I'll just throw out different ones just to make sure you're awake this morning. And, uh, and we'll just do that. Um, one of the things I did want to do before I got started, but they're taking their kids to, um, to Sunday school this morning. But I'll introduce, this is Jessica Cohen right here, folks. There's a family that's felt the call of God as well, and they're going to be joining us in September. Um, so that's awesome. And guys, I think that's a prophetic sign of what God's going to do in this place. We are so excited about what God is doing on the planet. We get to be a part of it. I keep telling my kids, guys, it's the coolest thing happening in the planet right now. Uh, it really is, and it always has been, and it always will be. And we get to join with God to see his kingdom come and see his will be done on this planet. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that great? So this morning we're going to be talking about the book of Habakkuk, or Habakkuk. If I had a subtitle this morning, it would be, What Do You See? And what we're going to do this morning, I'm just going to give you a little bit of an outline. We're going to talk a little bit about the history, just very briefly, uh, a little bit of the background of the book, and then I'm going to be breaking it down into sections for you. And then I really believe that God has something really specific and particular to say to us today out of this book, and I'm really excited about it. I got to be honest with you, when I thought Habakkuk, I was like, really? Habakkuk? Uh, I don't know. But when I read into it, God just began to speak to me, and I can't wait to share what he shared with me this morning. So let's do this. Let's pray, and then we're going to preach, all right? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful day. We thank you for your presence in this place, God. We thank you for what you're doing on the earth. We're thankful that we get to be a part of it, Lord Jesus. And God, we just pray this morning for this word, that as it goes forth, it would not return void, but it would accomplish what it has set out to do. God, I pray that you would use me as your vessel. God, right now, in Jesus' name, I get out of the way. And I say, God, this got nothing to do with me and everything to do with you. And I pray that you would be glorified and magnified in this place this morning, Lord God, that our minds would be transformed and our lives would be changed by your word, God. We thank you for it now. And everybody said, amen. Okay, Habakkuk. What's this book all about and what's happening here? Let's start with a little bit of a background on this book. Uh, you can switch the slide here real quick. All right, who is Habakkuk? First of all, a lot of scholars don't know who he is. There's a lot of uh, debate about who he might have been. It's possible that he was a prophet, a professional prophet uh, during that time, or he possibly might have been a priest and at the end of the book, it says something about him uh, to the chief musicians with my stringed instruments. So it's possible he might have been a Levite, a priest that was involved in temple worship during that time. The time frame of the book was that it was written between the, uh, the era of 625 or 605. And a lot of people believe it was actually uh, the sooner time rather than the latter time because of the, the content of the book that Habakkuk is talking about. What is unique about this book is that Habakkuk, uh, many of the pr prophetic books or the minor prophets that were written, were written as warnings of judgment to the children of Israel or Judah. 
And what's unique about this book is that it is a warning and it is talking about judgment. But actually what this book is, is it's a conversation between the prophet Habakkuk and God. So he, we get to, to glimpse, we get to, to listen in as he talks to God as opposed to talking uh, in judgment to the people. Um, many scholars place this book during the reign of a king called Jehoiakim. And the reason for that is before revival in Israel, in Judah at the time. And he raised up people that were seeking God. And he caused a great reformation to take place in the nation. But after Josiah was, 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 was removed from the throne, um, this king, Jehoiakim, was put in place. And there was corruption and idolatry that took place throughout the land. So now let's break down this book, Habakkuk. We have a little bit of a background. Let's break it down a little bit. So, Habakkuk starts with this. In verse 1, chapter 1, verse 1 to verse 4, Habakkuk opens up his book by complaining to God. Habakkuk says, God, listen, I'm seeing some things happening around me that are very disturbing, God. There's, there's injustice that's taking place. There's idolatry that's taking place. And God, here's the problem. I don't see you doing anything about it. Where are you? And Habakkuk is calling out to God. And in response... Habakkuk 1, 5 through 11 is God responding to him. And he says, this is what I'm going to do, Habakkuk. I've I've got a plan. I've heard your cry, and I'm already working something out. And this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to raise up another nation. They call them the Chaldeans, which is actually the Babylonians. I'm going to raise up this nation called Babylon. And Babylon is going to rise up, and they are going to defeat Judah, and they're going to take them captive. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to use this nation, and I'm raising them up right now to bring judgment on these people for the way that they are disobeying God, and they're not listening to God, and they're not uh, honoring God in their, in their lives. And then in Habakkuk 1, 12 through uh, 2 to 1, uh, Habakkuk comes back to God and says, what? You're going to do what? You're going to raise up who? I mean, come on, these guys are worse than us. How dare you give these guys any credit for anything because these guys are brutal. I mean, they don't even trust God. They don't believe in God. They're idolaters, God. They don't even have a foundation of who you are. Why would you do this? And he questions God. Crazy, right? And I love how it says at the end of that passage, of that portion, it says that he stood on a wall and he says, I'm going to wait and see how God's going to correct me. Like he already knows that God's going to correct him for talking that way back to him. And how does God correct him? This is how God corrects him. In Habakkuk 2, 20, 2, 2 through 20, God begins to lay out a vision for Habakkuk. He begins to speak to him about his plan. And he honors him by bringing him in. The Bible says the secrets of the Lord are with those who seek him and who fear him. So God begins to speak to him and, and give him insight, prophetic insight into what he's doing. And what, he, what is about to happen. In the midst of that, there's these poignant passages such as the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord just as the waters cover the sea. There's these things that he says throughout here that shifts the entire conversation back to what God is doing. And he gives them five woes against particular injustices, almost validating uh, uh, Habakkuk's uh, concern about this nation. And then this is Habakkuk's response. Habakkuk's response is Habakkuk 3, 1 through 19. He responds with a prayer. And this prayer is a prayer that is reminding him of all the great things that God has done. In it, he references the exodus of when Moses took the children of Israel out of Egypt into the promised land. He references um, uh, God's greatness in it. He references uh, the fear of the Lord. He references um, uh, God's mighty power working on the earth. And that prayer actually explodes into worship and praise. And that's the end of the book. So you've got Habakkuk complaining to God. You've got God responding to Habakkuk's complaint. You've got Habakkuk complaining to God's response to his complaint. 
Then you've got God responding back with a powerful passage. And the only response to that is praise and worship. That's the book of Habakkuk or Habakkuk, however you choose to say it. All right. Now let's dig back into that. Now that you guys kind of have a, you kind of get that outline there. You see that? It's back and forth. It's, it's man to God. Now here's what we're going to do. We're going to go back into this, and I'm going to pull out four thoughts this morning uh, uh, that have come from this passage. And then, and actually, and there will be some subpoints. I just don't want to scare you, so all of a sudden you come along and go, wait, you said four. No, no, there's actually like seven. But we're going to go with four and a few subpoints, and then we're going to be done today. Um, it's a beautiful day, and we get to enjoy it. Praise the Lord. Amen? All right. Habakkuk. Here we go. Starting in verse 1. Let's go back to it. Here's the application. Number one. That's right. This is back inside. God is not intimidated by our questions. I love that. Here's Habakkuk. And it starts out this way. This is one of the things I love about the Bible, you guys. I love that the Bible is so authentic and so real. I love that it doesn't try to sugarcoat people's failures. I love that when it talks about David, it doesn't just tell us, David was a mighty man. Be like him. You know, I love that it doesn't say Moses was just so great and he never made any mistakes. Be like that. I love that it, it, it opens up to us and it tells us about their fallibles, about how they can fail and how they can make mistakes because it speaks grace to us. And in this passage, what do we find out about God? We find out that he's not intimidated by our questioning and by our worrying. He's not. In fact, how do we know that? Because he put it in his book and he allowed it to be there. So you might be here this morning and you might have questions about who God is. You know, sometimes our our circumstances in life seem to overwhelm us so that we look around and we say, God, how can you possibly be good if this is happening? We hear the headlights from this week about about shootings and, and those sorts of things happening and we'd say, God, where are you? Like, if, if you're really good... How many of the number one um, argument that I often hear from unbelievers against God is this. If your God is so good, then why? Right? Like, why, why do we have cancer on the earth? Answer that one. Why, are, why, do, why do babies die? Why did God create mosquitoes? Because let's be honest, they are useless. Why? why? What are you doing, God? Right? This is this question of why. Guess what? God's not intimidated by that. So you know what that means? You don't have to check your brain at the door when you come to church. But you can think and you can be aware because God has an answer and he is the answer. Habakkuk 1, I'm going to read it to you so you can hear it, how Habakkuk does this. 1, 2 through 4 in the NLT. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence is everywhere. Come on, we're talking about this morning. I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed, and there's no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous, so that the righteous justice has become perverted. Have you ever felt that way? Like the suffering and chaos and sin that surround you are just too much? But how many know God's not intimidated because this is not a religion. This is a relationship. In other words, it's, it's not static. It's dynamic. And therefore, we can talk to God. 
And we can be honest with him. And we can have conversations. In fact, he wants us to. God, I'm struggling today. I'm having a hard time. God, I need you. It's not, here's the rules. Now just do it. No, no, no. We get to be real with God. We get to know him. We get to seek him and be known by him. This is a relationship with a living God. Philippians 2.12 says, Therefore, my beloved, just as much as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Our faith is not a one-time deal, but it's something that needs to be worked out through time. He's not intimidated because there is an answer. And you know what? Our faith has stood for thousands of years, and it will stand until the end. Let's move on to the next one. So God's not intimidated by your questions. You guys ready for number two? Number two. God's solutions often don't match our expectations. Habakkuk 1, 5 through 11. God responds that he's raising up a nation to defeat Israel and take them captive. What? I mean, come on. Those guys are brutal. They have no relationship with the Lord. They don't believe in God. What are you doing, God? That doesn't make any sense. Habakkuk questions God's methods, and he lays down the gauntlet. He says, God, how do you, why, why would you do such a thing? Are you not from everlasting? In fact, in that passage, what he does is he, he relates these people to, to like fishermen. And he says, listen, they're like fishermen that go out and they catch us. The Judeans, they catch our people as fish. And then they go and they worship the net that they use to capture us with. Like, what are you doing, God? Like, I thought you loved your people. Aren't you trying to see them restored? Aren't you trying to see them brought back to life? And then it says he stands on the wall and waits to be corrected. Have you ever felt like Habakkuk? Like you look around and see people with no moral compass around you that are prospering. And you think to yourself, shouldn't they be miserable? I mean, isn't there like some rule or something like that? If I seek God, I get great stuff. Isn't that how this works? You know, but I look around, I see these people that have no moral compass. They have no foundation of who God is. And yet it looks like they're prospering. I mean, their Instagram account is in Hawaii, again, with big smiles on their faces. Something is wrong here, God, because I'm seeking you. I'm going after you. Isn't, isn't this supposed to work out for my, for my goodness, for, for, for my pleasure? Isn't this supposed to work out for me? But his solutions often don't match our expectations. Think about it. David was a shepherd boy who defeated Goliath. Abraham was a senior citizen giving birth to a nation. God parted the Red Sea, which isn't supposed to happen, by the way. And a savior was born in a manger. It doesn't often make sense to us. But do you know that God is working? Do you know that God is working in your life even now? You might not see it, but he's working in your life right now to bring about his, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God doesn't think like us, and he doesn't need to, because he is God. I think sometimes we miss seeing God because we're waiting for the perfect solution to our scenarios while he is working something out that's what we have not even expected or has not been on our radar. 
I wonder how God is working in your life today. And maybe we just have missed it. We haven't seen it. But you can know this, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it to the day of Christ Jesus. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you're facing something in your life that you're not sure where God is, he's there and he's working all things together for your good. Amen? Amen. So number one, God's not intimidated by our questions. Number two, God uh, is working things out in ways that we might not expect him to. And that's okay. And number three, Habakkuk 2, 2 through 4. I'm just going to read this in the New King James. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain. So just before this, remember, this is where Habakkuk stands up on the wall. I'm going to wait here to be corrected. And this is God's response. Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it surely will come, it will not tarry. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. Number three, a godly vision will sustain you and carry you through any season. A godly vision will sustain you and carry you through any season. What is a vision? A vision very simply refers to something that is seen. And so that's why I'm asking you this morning, what do you see? What do you see? Here's what a vision does. A vision from God allows you to orient your life in a direction so that you can move forward into his calling and purposes. Without a vision, you're not going anywhere. Right? I mean, hey, if I, if I say this morning, kids, we're going to get in the car and we're going to Disneyland. And they're like, yay, Disneyland. And we get in the van and, and, and Tanya looks at me and goes, okay, so how, how are we going to get there? And I'm like, I don't know. We're just going to drive wherever we feel like. We're going to go there. And if I don't have the roadmap in front of me, if I don't have the orientation towards where I need to go, we're not going to get there. And so we drive, and I like that road. Boop. Okay, I like that road. Boop. And guess what? We're going to get there maybe eventually. But when we have a vision and we have our life oriented in that direction, we can get there. We can go there. God gave Tanya and I a vision about, what was it, 10 years ago, babe? 10 years ago, Tanya and I were sitting on a couch in our, in our living room. And we had just um, let go of interns, a vision that we'd had at our church for a long time, and, and stepped down from that. And we were sitting there, and, and we're looking at each other, and we're like, what are we going to do next? What, what's God got for us? And we know God's got a call in our lives, but what does it look like? And I remember looking at my wife and saying, or Tanya may have looked at me and said, do you think we'll ever pastor at a church? And I was like, no, I doubt it. <laughs> I don't think we want to do that. And, but I said, but if the Lord tells us to do it, we're going to do it. And it was that weekend that we were at a meeting. We were at a meeting with a pastor that was standing there teaching on worship, on leadership, actually. And at the end of his teaching, he ta- stopped and he says, I just need to do this. This is really important. And he looks at us and he says, you two stand up. And he says, you guys need to know this. You will pastor a church someday. And God needs to nail this down for you. That was 10 years ago, maybe. I don't know, almost 10 years ago? Eight or nine years ago? And what that allowed us to do, that vision allowed us 
to orient our lives in that direction and move in that direction. And do you know what, you guys? You are all a fulfillment of that vision. Do you realize that? That your faithfulness, the fact that you're here today, that you've been faithfully seeking God as the body of Christ, is a fulfillment of that vision in our lives. Sometimes you don't even realize that God is working in you in ways that you might not understand. So what are some thoughts about vision? Number one, take your eyes off yourself and focus on what is outside. In the book of Jeremiah 1, 4 through 11, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. This is God speaking to Jeremiah, this young prophet. And, pro- and Jeremiah responded and said, Lord, behold, I can't speak. I'm just a kid. I'm a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm a youth, for you shall go to all whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, behold, I put my words in your mouth. And see, to this day I've set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy and throw down, to build and to plant. And moreover, the Lord said to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? See, this is what God does. When you begin to seek the face of God, he comes to you with a vision for your life. He begins to speak in your life and say, this is what I'm calling you to do. And our, our, often our response is say, but I'm looking inside and I don't see that inside of me. And God says, get your eyes off yourself and look out to what I'm doing. There's nothing more freeing in our faith than when we are free from ourselves. Hey, when you're not thinking about yourself, you can do amazing things. Did you know that? When I stand, if I stand up here and I think about every word that I'm saying, I will drive myself nuts. But when I stop thinking about myself and I say, this has nothing to do with me, this has everything to do with God, suddenly I can do amazing things for him. We need to be freed from ourselves to seek him. Number two, set your eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2 says, looking into Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We need to set our minds on him, set our eyes on him, take our eyes off of ourselves, set our eyes on Jesus. What is he doing? Where is he going? What does he want to see? Uh, you know, what is his vision? You know what his vision is? That all the earth would come to know the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. We need to be reminded of that. That's why we come to church every Sunday. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We need to hear the word of God and be reminded of it constantly so that our minds are not set on ourselves, but it's set on him, on Jesus and what he's doing. God can do anything with him. Nothing is impossible. And number three, you need to set your mind on things above. Colossians 3.2 says that, set your mind on things above. And this is how it worked out for Habakkuk. He stood on the wall. God comes to him and says, I'm going to give you a vision. Write it down. So he does. He writes it down. He says, the just shall live by faith. What is faith? Faith is agreeing with God. It's hearing the word of the Lord and agreeing with it and living your life according to it, not what you see around you. And so, again, faith is agreeing with God. It's hearing the word of the Lord and aligning your life life with the word 
not what you see around you. That's faith. That's faith. So what happens? God begins to speak back to him about what he's seeing in the nation. Woe to these people. I see this sin. I see this. And I can just see Habakkuk just feeling so vindicated. Like, oh, praise God. I am hearing from you, Lord. I do know something that you're saying. And then he says this. He says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is God speaking. And all of a sudden, he's not just talking about, like, wasn't he just talking about, like, Judah and Babylon? Isn't that what he's talking about, this small little nation? And God says, no, 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 you're thinking too small because I'm doing something on the planet. And the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, just as the waters cover the sea. Church, how many know that this is not just about life, church? How many know that what we're doing here right now is not just about us? Okay, you come together and you join into the body of Christ and God starts to do something in the body of Christ. And then the body of Christ comes together and starts to join together and God starts to do something in the nation and in the city and then it's in the nation and then it's in the planet. God is doing something in the planet. It's bigger than us. Lift up your eyes and see. Set your mind on things above. God has got this. He's working it out. He's going to complete it. He's going to do it. Amen? And we get to be a part of it. You guys with me? So number one, he's not afraid of our questions. Number two, his solutions don't often match our expectations. But number three, a godly vision will allow us to endure and will sustain us through any season will sustain us through any season. And that's what happens to Habakkuk. He hears the word of God. I'm doing something on the planet. I'm doing something in the earth. I'm doing something right now. And I see all these injustices, but you have to understand that there's a greater thing going on here. There's a plan that I'm working out. I don't know where you're at today. Maybe you're in a position where you've been going through some hard times. Maybe you've been facing some health issues, or maybe you've been facing some situations in your family. Maybe you've had some issues at work and there's been some financial difficulties But can you for a moment take your eyes off and focus on what God is doing? Because the fact that you're here today is a sign of his grace in your life. That he's working in you. And he's working on you. And he will lead you to completion. He has promised it. Amen? Amen. Set your mind on things above. And how does Habakkuk respond? Number four. And evidence of faith is praise. When he understands that God's got it, that he's for him, that he's with him, and then he hears the word of God about what God's going to do, the appropriate response is praise. Say, yes, God, I agree with you. Habakkuk praises God. And what does he do? It's a prayer. First of all, he starts by referencing the Exodus, as well as other times that God has rescued Israel. He declares it. Sometimes what you need to do in your life when you're facing those hard times is you need to remind yourself of what God has done. There's a, Bible, there's a scripture in the Bible that says that David, the King David, went off by himself and strengthened himself in the Lord. 
And I believe that it's the same call in our lives that sometimes you just need to strengthen yourself and you need to tell yourself. In fact, one time David is writing a book and he says this. He says to himself, soul, hope in God for I will yet praise him is what he says. And sometimes you need to remind yourself of the great things that God has done. And if you read this passage in Habakkuk 3, you're going to see him reminding himself of all the great things that God has done. And he begins to praise God, you are mighty. You were holy. Do you remember that time where I thought I wasn't going to make it, but God, you brought me through? Do you remember that time that you miraculously healed that person in my life? Do you remember the time that that person I didn't think would ever come to know you came to know you and had their life completely transformed? Come on, church. We need to do that to each other. Tell each other the stories of God. We need to do that as a church. Tell the stories of God. What is God doing in this place? What is he going to do? What is he about to do? And you know what that does? It builds faith. The other day, I was, um, I was coming home from work, and I was podcasting. And I was listening to this, this guy named Erwin McManus, and he was talking about how um, there was a time in their life where they lost everything. And he said, Matt, I, he said, he didn't say Matt. He said, it felt like he was talking right to me, right? He said, he said listen, he says, I had nothing. We were renting in the worst part of town, and I, I got a vision, and I, and I wrote it down on a computer, and it was the Erwin McManus, um, you know, I don't know, the business that will impact the world. And his wife comes along and goes, what is that? And he goes, that's our business name. That's what we're going to do. She goes, how are you going to impact the world? We have nothing. And, and he says, exactly. He says, if I have nothing, I have no limitations. People that have $10,000 have $10,000 limitations. People that have $100,000 have $100,000 limitations. People that have a million dollars have a million dollar limitations, but I have nothing, therefore I have no limitations. And you know what the Bible says about nothing? Without God, you can do nothing. But with God, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. So lift up your eyes and begin to speak truth about who God is and what he's doing. Habakkuk praises God. In Romans ten seventeen. it says, So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Sometimes you just need to get in the word, just declare his truth from the word. And it builds faith in your life. And in Revelations 12, 11, it says that they overcame him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives unto death. Your testimony of God's goodness in your life has power. So I got home that day and I said to Tanya, I said, honey, I want to tell you what I see. And she goes, what do you mean? And I started to prophesy to her out loud with my eyes open about what I felt that God was going to do in this church. And I began to just declare it over her and just say, listen, I just believe that God's going to work this amazing thing in there. And the Spirit of God's going to be poured out. And we're going to see people saved and people coming off the streets. And we're going to see righteousness begin to prevail. We're going to see God begin to show his glory to people in a new way. I believe that. And she's like, yeah, let's go. Because who can stop the Lord? Nobody. Sometimes you just need to declare the truth. And truth is a person. His name is Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So God's not intimidated by our questions. His response doesn't always look the way that we want it to or think it should. But when you get a godly vision for your life, it'll sustain you through any season. And our appropriate response is praise. Is praise. So let's, let's pray today.
Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you this morning, Lord God, for the book of Habakkuk. Lord God, this small book amid 66 books, Lord Jesus, that tells us about a relationship with God, an authentic relationship with God. And Lord, this morning, we just pray that you would bring us into authentic relationship with you as well, Lord God, that we would connect to you in a new way. And just as we're in an atmosphere of prayer here with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just wanted to know, is there anyone here this morning that would say, I want to have that relationship with God that you're talking about? I want to be able to talk to him, and I want to be able to know him the way that you've expressed this morning. Maybe there's something in your heart right now that's saying, you know what, I don't know God, and I haven't made a decision to follow him, but this morning there's something in me that's burning, and I, and I want to know him, and I want to seek him, and I want to know him like, like Matt knows him. If that's you this morning, and you say, Matt, I just, I just want to know Jesus like that, wherever you are, I just want you to raise your hand up. Is there anybody here? Say, I just want to know Jesus like that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now let's all just stand, and we'll just close. Father, thank you for your word again. Lord, just come and work in this place. Father, I pray that you would move in us today, Lord Jesus, as we go from this place. Father, fill us with vision. Let our minds be set on things above and not on things of this earth. And let us see you, God. Help us to be freed from ourselves, Lord God, and help us to, to know you and to see you. And God, I just pray right now, Lord God, for those that need a heavenly vision. God, I pray that you would inspire us with your word, Lord God. I pray that you would remind us of what you've promised us, Lord Jesus. And I pray, Lord God, that we would respond to that, Lord God. I pray that we would see you, Lord God, in, in, in everything that you're doing, Lord God. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would give us insight into that, Lord. I pray that you would uh, speak to us, Lord Jesus, and God, that we would be receptive to hear it, Lord. I pray that you would help us to be your representatives in the planet, Lord God, as you are doing amazing things. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your presence. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen.